Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, we start off every Sunday with uh, a reading from the lectionary that just uh, from churches that are all over the world um, that read this just to bring unity to the body of Christ. So as you'll see here, we're going to read from Psalm 71, 1 through 6. It says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to my rock, be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O oh Lord, are my hope, my trust, O oh Lord, for my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. So, yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot, just like the word refuge and just what that is uh, of who God is in my life, but even just kind of in two different ways, just him being a refuge for me, like knowing that it's always a safe place, like he's established a safe place for us to go to every single time. It's not waiting for these certain moments or even what we've experienced, even just this men's retreat, it's no matter what season of life that I'm in, he's always established a place to where I feel safe and secure. And even more so than that, I was thinking of even expa like expanding that. This is what the church is. Like This is something to be celebrated. The fact that we have people that are broken, that are going through a lot of things, even what we experienced this, this weekend, kind of sharing our stories. But we always come back to the fact that like we get to gather together. And I me personally, I just take this for granted a lot of times that we get to gather together as a church, a church of broken people, and just be able to be, like be present, be fully in this together, and also go through the tough times together, but also being able to celebrate God together and to celebrate each other together. So that's just the, the posture that I don't even want to take into worship today of just as we just continue <clears throat> to celebrate God uh, and as we you know, are able to worship, that we just celebrate from a place that He's safe, he's good, he's perfect. We don't have to try to get to this place, but he's established it around us, that fortress around us. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for who you always have been, God. Lord, when we even hear David uh, asking to, Lord, to save us, um, knowing the fact that when, Jesus, when you came on the scene, Lord, you saved us, and you continue to save us from all of our circumstances, God. It's a continual cry of, Lord, be with us. Save us, from, not even just save us from our circumstances, save us from ourselves, of getting so caught up in, in our mind or trying to figure things out, God. But Lord, we just take rest in knowing that you are good and that you will always be with us, God. So Lord, we just celebrate you today. Lord, let us just be able to be completely captivated by you. Lord, we love you. We invite your presence here. Holy Spirit, really have your way, God. And really, let us just turn our affections back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That song is so good, right? Because what does the table do but send us? filled into the world and sometimes what we don't talk about is the sending is what happens after the meal 
right? After the meal with full satisfied tummies, we can go out and invite others back to the table. So let the cry of our heart after coming together and breaking bread be pour me out. What's that other bridge? Bill, can you go back to the um, through my heart? Yes. Like a rushing river. Make this your cry. Let mercy flow through my heart to my world because if not, what's the point? What's the point? For us to just come in here and break bread and dip and pat each other on the back and have a good time if it is not flowing out into the world. This is the point, guys, right? And this is why I love this song going right into prayers of the people because this is when we allow the looking to God for the sake of the other. This is where we train and allow the spirit to form our hearts into people who will go. You know, we sang in the first song, if I can find my notes, have your way. Do you know how risky that statement is? It's really, really nice to like, in the service be like, have your way, God. We're all like, have the feels, and the music is good, and we're like, have your way. Do you really know what it means to tell God to have his way? Are we willing to say that this morning? As we go into prayers of the people, are we really willing to say, God, have your way in the world. Have your way in us. Because having the way of Jesus means the cross. It means a lot of sacrifice. And I don't stand here getting all preachy on you guys because I have it together. I stand here because I'm desperately in need of the spirit to form me and this community to be someone who all seven days of the week I'll say, have your way. Have your way. That means I'll look maybe really different from the people around me. And my life rhythm will look different. And I'll have less things. And I'll actually hang out with people who don't look like me. Have your way. Have your way, God. So we're going to pray our prayers of the people with that spirit. Have your way. And so as we pray this morning, we pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. And as I was praying through this this morning, I, as a pastor in the West, in America, was reminded this week about the trap of comparison. And so I'm confessing that before you all. That it's so easy to fall into the trap of comparing with the church down the street. And that is ugly and that is evil. And I repent. And so God, give us hearts, not of comparison, but of unity with the universal church. Forgive us for us versus them. Forgive us for using scripture to draw lines, to keep others out and others in, and for only gathering with people who think the same way and look the same way. Venture to say, God, that that doesn't please you. And you have grace for us in your goodness. We still gather, but let this body here be one that 
can proclaim the beauty of the universal church. So make us one, Father, even as you are one. For the nation and all those in authority, we need wisdom in how to navigate our government and our politics and the divisions. Let us rise above that to the true call of the kingdom that does say, honor your leaders, pray for your leaders, respect but we pray, God, that you would move on the hearts of unjust leaders. That you would, we need leaders who are just and righteous. And we don't presume to know what those words mean. Will you pour out your spirit? We pray for the welfare of the world, for the conflict between Israel and Iran, for the fires that are raging in the Amazon and is already establishing lots of controversy and people pitting each other against each other. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. For refugees that are around the world, I was thinking this morning about how we hear about refugees and we are like, oh, yeah. That's a thing in the world. Break our hearts, God. Break our hearts. So we go to our homes that are wonderful and we receive the gift of them. Let us cry out for those who have no homes. And let us embody the hospitality of the spirit that says, there is always a home here. We pray for the protests in Hong Kong as those people try to navigate what it means to be free. Will you put your hand upon them and especially the believers there that they would be heralds of your peace and your justice. We pray for our city, our county, our state, for the Southeast and for our country, that there would be healing between the races. God, we, play, we pray for racial healing. And we want to do what it takes to get there. So teach us, Spirit, what that looks like. We want unity in diversity. For the other concerns of our local community, our country, including poverty and homelessness and mental health. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And this morning, if you suffer or in trouble or if you represent someone you know who is in suffering, either emotionally or mentally or physically, if you will please stand. be brave. Stand for someone you know. There's someone you know that needs healing. God, we stand to say yes. Yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Will you be good and that you are always with us. And will you meet each and every one of these needs in the way that it needs the most healing, the most freedom, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say,
Amen. So, okay, I'm going to jump right in because we don't have a ton of time, um, but I do have some things I need to share with you about this. A couple of the highlights on the retreat were, I mean, such just rich, good time. But it's not the kind of retreat you go on and everybody's like, we're going to go climb this mountain and we're going to do this like thing over here and then we're going to do this. It's just like 40 guys for three days just hanging out and being honest and growing together and... Um, at the end today, if we have time, I want some of the guys to share a little bit, snippets. But um, the reason we did the men's retreat is the reason why we do church. It's actually the same stuff. And the reason is because I've really start to feel and notice that people are just disconnected from the body and okay with it. And that's like most of us, even people who go to church. I think the reality that most of us in here, if we need to call somebody about something deeply spiritual or if, if it's one of those moments in life where you know that you have to call someone, a lot of people don't actually have those people. And the reason is, is because it's tough to form the kind of relationships that when those things happen, you know to call. It's not easy. It's like trying to grow a garden by next week. It's just not going to happen. And spiritual friendship was the theme of the retreat, but it's the idea that you're connecting with somebody built around Christ that the conversations are about it, and not just we're going to read a passage, then we're going to talk about fantasy football, and then we're going to go drink of something. It's the kind of stuff that gets to the deeper issues within each of us, right? What's motivating why we live? What are our false narratives that we're living out? What are we going after? And so many of us are going after things that we know isn't really going anywhere beneficial, right? And so we did this retreat this time because... We felt like God was asking us to ask men to not just go on a retreat or hope that two times a year the retreat will just be the best thing ever, but to form something that becomes a rhythm in your life, that you would replace a rhythm that is not actually beneficial or healthy, that you would notice where you're crippled and you've become okay with it, and that you would step into the messy work of saying, I know that I need to do this. Like it's not even, it's not even about church or not church, it's about the depths of who you are with other people and Christ being a part. We knew that men need this. I know that you need this. Most people in this room don't have it. Like you can be really good even at church and not have those relationships. Really sad if you think about it. Most people don't. And so uh, one of our pots, we have pots. These are things we pray into. The second pot, I began to realize as we started it, it's because we noticed these things. And I don't love the language, just to be honest, but we, this is what we labeled. Um, each person to step fully into the body so that RCC can be as healthy as possible. We commit to pray for RCC. This is what we're asking for everyone to do. And I'm going to get to why in a second. We commit to pray as a person, a part of the body. We commit to be present in the body, in the created spaces, and then those like other spaces that you create on your own. We commit to give financially to RCC. That's how we exist. Um, we commit to serve in the body in the surrounding areas. So I love that we do need these things, but it's hitting at something deeper. It's about what you're investing into. It's about investment and good returns and the soil of God being that good return. So that language I like because we need it, but I would just say to you more clearly, I'm asking you to invest in the things God has surrounded you with so that you can flourish and then help others flourish. That's the goal. That's, that's why we exist. I want you to be so vibrantly close to Jesus that it's like a natural thing happening. 
where when, when Jesus conversations crop up, most people are like, I'm dipping out. Like my brother is really awkward and whenever he feels really strange and he just walks up to people and he lives all over the world at times, like he travels, um, he'll just walk into groups and he's not somebody who's like a missionary, but he'll just walk in and be like, hey, you guys mind if I just tell you about Jesus Christ and then walk out. And of course, that's like for most people, that's like the most horrifying start to a conversation <laughs> ever. And that's why he does it, right? And a lot of us feel that way about those conversations, even the things personally happening within us. And so I, I want you to know that the Spirit of God through this, this body is drawing us into a deeper place, into deeper soils where deep calls to deep so that you can begin to proverbially swim in the river of God, that you can live life as he's asking. So today I'm going to read you a passage, but first I want to do something that we did on retreat. Um, if you filled out a sheet this morning, please stand up. Don't be scared. I'm not going to ask you. All right, pull your sheet out. Give it to someone else right now. Give it to someone else right now. All right. Who has it next? If you just received it, stand up. Stand up, you received it. Give it to someone else. Give your sheet to someone else. Let's make this quick. Now give it to someone else. <laughs> you gave it to me. Nice. All right. Now I want you to eat it. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right. So if you've got one, everyone's silent. One of the things that we know that is important, and Scott the Painter is the one who did this when he came, and we just like it because it's a creative way to get at what's really underneath the surface in our lives. It's a creative way to have honest conversations without you feeling the weight of having people come attack you because of the truth that you share. So no one knows who you are now when this is read. So thank you for your honesty. If you're a reader, there are people under the age of um, 30 in this room. And so those are all kids to me. I'm just going to be honest. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Guys, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you read something that you know probably wouldn't be, I'm talking about like if somebody was honest in ways that are like, there's kids. All right. All right, I'm going to start. And if you have one that is where are you most broken right now, when you read it, stand up to read it and then sit back down. But don't read it like that person over there thinks you have a mic on because you don't. You're going to have to read it, okay? Where are you most broken? Because of my past experiences, I have a subconscious fear that my friends at RCC will abandon me. Next, let's popcorn it. So that's just a picture of church people. And every, if everybody would have filled that one, they all would have sounded the same. So, so we, in this setting, this is not where you stand up and you like, right? We're intelligent enough to know that's not for everybody. But to be drawn into places where those are the conversations you're having is the art and work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And when it doesn't happen is when you decide that you can do it on your own. And it doesn't look like you're doing it on your own. It just looks like you get hard after your job, your work, what you're called to do, 
what you're supposed to do. You can even be in ministry. And no one helping you mine those deep things that God wants to heal and redeem. And they're in every single one of us. There's none of us that are exempt. And in every one of us, there's ways that we've been crippled for so long that it's become normalized. And also, it's become normalized in the people around us. They can even sense it, but because of space and barriers and aloneness, they let you be. And that's not okay. It's also not okay to jump on somebody about their crippledness and make them change. So it only happens in the context of relationship, and it takes a long time. You don't marry the girl you meet earlier today unless you need to be having conversations with people. You have a process of getting to that big decision. You don't decide what school you're going to in one second. You don't pick your job in one minute. Anything that means anything that's going to last is the idea of long obedience and long participation. So don't, and I don't want to ramble today, but I'm going to. All of us are trying to collect a debt from even the church for things that have happened to us that we're not supposed to be collecting. All of us have placed upon the bodies of Christ that we've been a part of the needs that we have, and some of us are still trying to pay back these people who did it wrong. And all of us have a, a, a debt to collect, every one of us. Welcome to humanity. But the only healer is Jesus. So Jesus has to work with the debts that need to be collected so that you cannot give those debts to someone else. Because that's my goal. I don't want to give these guys debts to pay that I still don't know how to pay. So I want God to do the work in me. So what that looks like in community is opening yourself up and not expecting them to be your mom, your dad, your teacher, to pay the debts that those people harmed you with, your spouse. The body of Christ is just you and other people. So I taught, was talking to Jameson this weekend about, man, we got to start talking together, like knowing more. Like, and, and a conversation can go like this, like, Jameson, what's God speaking to you? And, and the reality of that conversation could be, I don't frame that conversation that way. That's not how I would say it. And I would have to be like, okay, well, what's happening? I like to read the word. And when I read the word, the specific words, okay, that's cool. We just, you see what just happened? I just learned something, and it could have been a fight, too. What do you mean you don't believe God speaks to you? Are you serious? People are different. And it takes open sharing and listening. And the, I think the best gift we talked about this week was listen to understand. Any counselor knows that. Listen to understand, not to respond. And guys are really good at listening to understand. No. It's not supposed to be that funny. Good grief. Jeez. All right, so if you could pull this up for me, Bill. This is a passage from um, Luke 13, and it's a familiar passage, but I want to speak in a little different way about it for a few minutes. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had been disabled with a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called over and said to her, woman, you are free from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler in the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which to work, and which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be healed, and not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, 
Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from a manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all the adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. A couple really quick things. There's a couple pitfalls in this passage right off the bat that I just need to clear up, okay? The first one is the Sabbath is a good thing. This is not saying the Sabbath is bad. The Sabbath is a good thing. It's a good thing to create a space to rest and to not work. The second thing, rules are not bad. Rules are good. When they're abused, they're bad, okay? Next thing. There's a blaming in this. My initial inclination in this passage is to highlight the Pharisees because they're idiots, right? No religion, just Jesus, amen? No religion, just Jesus. But religion actually encompasses, encompasses some things that are actually good. It's not all bad. Rules are not all bad. This passage would be short-lived if we decided to just be mad at people who have harmed and not listened when people needed it. There's been whole theologies built out of this passage about what not to do. But we have to look at what Jesus is being in this passage. The last thing is church is not a bad place to be, and the work of the Spirit can happen in it. Where is Jesus in this passage? In the synagogue. You don't just have to do this in a house church. Like, it doesn't have to just be you. So I'm going to pray for you. If you could close your eyes. As I pray for you, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight in you where you might be crippled. And you might actually be physically crippled, but I'm talking about the kind of crippling that's been there for so long that you've just normalized it. It could be fear. It could be resentment. It could be bitterness. It could be solitude. You found your life to be the best lived alone. It could be addiction. Some of you might have been drinking or doing something for years underneath the surface that nobody even knows. That was my story before. I was a hider. I could hide it. So just wrestle with what might be the crippled portion of you that's keeping you in a spot that is half-lived. It's a half-life. And you know it and you feel it. And you wake up thinking, will this ever change? but you've normalized it so well that you just continue. With your eyes closed, I'm going to ask Jesus through imaginative prayer. This is nothing more than you imagining and allowing him space to speak. So Jesus, we ask you to approach us. And I would pray that you would let him approach you in your mind's eye. For some people, this is a horrifying, terrible thing, and it's hard for them. Please don't feel shame. You can receive God and do things, spiritually disciplines, that, that do similar to this in other ways. Just push pause for a minute. But for those of you who can do this, let Jesus walk up to you in your mind's eye. Do it even if you're like, this is stupid. Just do it. He's going to walk up. He's going to place his hands on your shoulders. He's going to look in your eyes. He's going to ask you, where do you, where do you need to be healed? Give him space for a second. This is a form of prayer. 
Okay. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, I'm going to jump right in and then we'll interact with that in a little bit. First thing I want to notice is Christ notices a woman in a setting that is crippled, that her plight has been accepted by the body, and stops the setting to do something about it. But I want to just talk a little bit about what that means for this woman in this setting. If in this scenario you have any type of ailment in this society, you are considered what? Who knows this? Unclean. And that also meant that no one was allowed to touch you. Which means that when Jesus notices her, a couple things are happening. One, there's been an environment set up within the body where someone who is unable to be touched is not able to be touched. And it's left alone. So there's been a, there's been a culture created. So he's actually not even just speaking at the Pharisee leader. He's speaking in a culture in a church that allows someone to come in for 18 years. And she walks in like this because if you read more about her, she can't look up. So she has, she can't look straight. She can only do this. And she's in the, this person is in the church in this scenario, continually worshiping like this. And Jesus sees her. And Jesus says words of healing and then walks over to her and puts his hand on her and she's healed. And so this is, I could lose some of you here. She's, as soon as he puts his hand on, healed and she does this and starts praising God. Like, here's, here's the hidden thing that I think is important to know. It's the first time she's been touched in 18 years. This person has been living untouched for 18 years. And Jesus walks over and puts his hand on her. And really a couple things happen. Not only does she stand up to praise God, she's re-invited into community like she hasn't had in 18 years. Spiritually, redeemed. Physically, redeemed. Communally, redeemed. She has it all now. She has access to all of it. So when she raises her hand to praise God, all of that is in her. Well, how does that relate to you and me, right? Like, how does that play into what we do? We can say, well, God still wants to do miracles. Good. God still heals. Good. And while I can't point to healing and say that 100% of the time God's going to heal somebody because he doesn't and we all die because our bodies end on us, I can say 100% of the time that he wants to heal us into the body and into his presence. 100% of the time. You don't have to question that. Does God want you to experience 100% of his presence and to have full communal rights in the body of Christ? Absolutely, yes, and amen. Absolutely, because whether you're healed physically or not, you need that. There's no life without it. You can actually get healed physically and dip out and just be like, I'm, I'm deucing on this. Thank you for what you did, which is why when he traveled around, and people demanded miracles, he didn't give it to them first because he was trying to feed them a deeper meal, a meal that sustains daily, the kind of meal that is continual, that the woman at the well found, the bread of Christ, the body of Christ. So how does this relate to us? Who are we? We are Jesus. We are the body of, we are now this Jesus in our society walking amongst churches 
and homes and businesses noticing people who have been crippled for 18 years. And maybe they're not bent over physically, but you know that you know that they're crippled with resentment and fear and anxiety. Jesus has given you his presence to have enough wisdom to say, God, how are you going to insert me into this life? That is our job, to touch one another. I got a cab- I'm going to put a caveat. To touch one another the way that Jesus did. We talked a little bit about chastity this weekend, which is like, it's not, it's not a good like, opening conversation at a men's retreat. But the idea of chastity, which we don't want to talk about those things anymore, is I'm so at peace sexually that I don't impose those things on others when I'm around them. That's why Jesus did ministry and could touch women's feet and it not become like a thing, right? But so many of us are broken sexually that even in like spiritual environments, like we feel it all, right? Right? So many people need healing. Everybody in this room needs healing. Everyone. So I'm a good person. Super. That's awesome. Thank you for being a good person. You need to be healed and redeemed. You need, you need the areas of brokenness where you're poor in spirit to be presented to Jesus in such a way that he can put his hands in them and that the body of Christ can help you. Now, it takes a few things for this to happen. If we're going to be the people of this passage, you have to start to notice those around you after you make available those things within you that need the touch of Jesus. And we can do the thing at the altar where like, we expect the only time there to be movement when we go to an altar, which is not theologically accurate. There are just some times that somebody's broken that a prayer is not as good as going to their house. There are just some times when somebody doesn't have money where we drive them to the store, we get groceries. There are just some times when someone needs a hug. Don't let your spiritual life replace the physical things God is asking you to do. He walked over and he touched. But notice before that he said what? You're healed. Was she healed? Touched her, was healed. You get that? You cannot remove yourself from physical touch from other people. Communally, friendship, whatever it is. Hear the invitation of the Holy Spirit saying, I've drawn you into more. I'm drawing you into more and it will take you being brave enough to be like, I have been alone, really the real me, like the real me. Like I'm, and I'm, I'm a huge target of this. I can be in a group of people for a whole weekend and have 300 surface conversations and click at it. And people will be like, man, this guy's communal. And all the while, there's this wall guarding the real parts of me that say, I literally wake up sometimes horrified. I literally wake up sometimes thinking Jesus isn't going to come through today. I literally wake up sometimes thinking, how is she going to want to stay with me? Because I'm really, I'm super awkward. Like, intimacy for me is like, you might as well just punch me. Like, you, saw, you see the way I hug people. Like, I'm, God's trying to, like, teach me. Those are the real parts of me. Like, I can polish something and give it to you, and it'll sound good, and you'll want to do it. The real me is like, I'm just a dude that doesn't know how to do stuff. And I'm serious. Like, I, I struggle with things that a lot of you are just really good at. I was watching Ryan, my God brother, who I love. He's awesome. The way he interacts with people on retreat, it's like, man, this guy's gifted so well just relationally you can be around him for two minutes you're like i'm gonna share stuff with you like you're just gonna take you like a year around me to be like can i still share stuff? 
I get that about me. I need people to speak into that for me. That's the real me, like the part of me that's scared I'm not really called, the part of me that's scared to get up here because, oh my gosh, it's like the word of God. I really don't know enough. Those parts of you, right, you have to bring those into community, not just everybody, but start to pray, God, how are you leading me into this? And if you want him to lead you into it, he will, asking you to step. Again, don't impose the debts that need to be collected on the people he might lead you to. It's not theirs to pay. But feel the invitation of Jesus into the body, the Eucharist, one another, one another. It's not just you and God. It's not just all about you and him today. There's people in this room because there needs to be people in this room. For you, for me. So you're on the men's retreat, and God has labeled for you your first step, and you're not going to be super long-winded. I want you to stand up and share what your first step into this kind of communal activity might be. We didn't select beforehand, so I need some people to just be brave. Stand when you're ready. Thanks, Dan. How, I told you, my group was like, nobody says that. I want to be a mentor, but everybody says, man, I need a mentor. So I would just say, protect yourself over the next couple weeks. <laughs> I want to do that. Whoever. It's awesome. Right? Who else? Let's popcorn it, guys. Let's not do the thing where we wait too long. Who else? A few more, guys. You're helping paint a picture for people who didn't go on a retreat and really don't even know how to do this. This is good. Who else we got? Anybody, anybody? Could you put his number on there? <laughs> Somebody else stood up over here.
Thank you, Justin. Last one. It's already started. It didn't even wait till after. I'm telling you, you need to like, you need to move back where you came from. That's your best. I'm just kidding. All right, everyone, please stand. Uh, worship team, if you could come back up. Somebody that's ready. The people that didn't go on the retreat, it's gonna, it's gonna be. So people that didn't go on the retreat, it's gonna be super easy for you to take this kind of content and be like, I'll deal with that later. I truly believe that this is something, I truly believe that this is something not just for the men, but for you. Don't just let this pass through. What do you need to step into? It won't come to you on its own. Pursue it. Pursuing the presence of God is pursuing the community of God. You cannot have one without the other. If you believe it, it's not true. So Jesus, I pray the kind of prayer of blessing over each of us that are lonely and broken and insecure and filled with shame and hiding behind addictions secretly, outwardly, harmed. For the ones in here who have thought about suicide, that you would help us to step in as the Jesus, touch in the kinds of ways that they need to feel touched. Help us to not touch people the way that we want to be touched. This feels weird saying all this, but, but help us to learn enough about someone to know how to approach them. But help us to be bro- brave and bold with our own stuff and those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that everybody, you can stay in this room. If you need to go, that's fine, but keep this environment prayerful. If you need prayer, we have people that would love to pray with you. Love you guys very much. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.